Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back yet again, and I'm sitting down today with Dan Malta. He is an OHL producer and host with your TV Peterborough. Well, can't speak today, boys and girls. And is the play-by-play for the Colbert Cougars. Dan, how is your Monday shaking out for you? Uh, it's, it's a very busy Monday. Um, we, I've got a Cougars game tonight. They play the Lindsay Muskies. And yesterday we had uh, the Pete's and Niagara Ice Dogs. The day before that it was uh, the Pete's and, geez, I'm blanking on this, the Flint Firebirds. Uh, and then uh, the day before, uh, the days before that, I was uh, in Hamilton for the top prospects game. So it's, it's kind of like a, a Friday for me in a way, this Monday, before we reset for another Pete's game coming up on Thursday. Just taking a deep breath and taking it all in, eh? Yep, yep. Well, the best part about that is, I mean, you're so busy. They say that this Monday here is supposed to be, I guess, Blue Monday, so the saddest Monday of the year. So if you're that busy, you got no time to think about the sadness right now. It's all positive, all happy, and all guns a-blazing. Well, right now I'm actually cutting together the Pink in the Rink video for the February 1st Pink in the Rink game for the Pete, so it's quite sad. But because oh. <laughs> it's all the pictures of people who have who battled cancer or who are currently battling cancer, but it's an amazing night, so it's kind of pulling me out. I didn't know that it was supposed to be the saddest day of the year, but I am feeling pretty good. Busyness, you're right, it keeps you going. That's just it, you know, and that is beautiful, though. I know I pink in the rink out here for the Halifax Mooseheads is a, is a beautiful time, and, I mean, it's a great cause. So you putting that together, it's going to be a great night for so many people, and, you know, it draws awareness, and it also brings, you know, a light to some who are struggling and having a situation that is, is not easy to deal with. So a tip of the cap to you for getting that all prepared. Oh, yeah, happy to, happy to do it. Everybody's been affected by it, right? I'm sure you have as well. I know my dad battled cancer, came out on top. Um, but, yeah, everybody's got a connection to it. So it's it's a, an emotional light always around the OHL round. Uh, every league really gets into it now, save for, I guess, the NHL. But they're obviously associated with uh, Hockey Fights Cancer and many different many different things where they do the, the purple boards, but no pink jerseys in the NHL yet. I'm sure that's coming. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, hopefully. Well, Dan, you are a man of many hats, so let's break down a day in the life of Dan Malta. What goes on each and every day? I mean, we just touched on a little bit, but go ahead and run through the uh, the titles that you have and give everybody a little bit of background of who we're talking to. Sure. Uh, well, I, I went to the College of Sports Media in Toronto uh, after going to a, a sporting goods business program in Peterborough. Hometown is closer to Toronto and Whitby, but uh, I started covering the Oshawa Generals as a, a sports news anchor or a sports anchor or news reporter or sports reporter at the, what was then uh, Czech TV Durham, now Global Durham. Uh, so the Oshawa Generals were kind of my introduction to the OHL. My last year covering them when I stepped into this role was the year they won the Memorial Cup. So I uh, got my job here probably a week before uh, they went off and won the Memorial Cup. And then it was uh, Peterborough Pete's. I had started hosting games for the for your, was then TV Kojiko, now your TV. And it just turned into a full-time job, and it's a blast. Then on, on a game day, it's, it, I kind of edit together the intermission content, uh, plan any interviews that we might have, uh, opening teases, features, all that type of stuff I'm putting together and packaging it and making sure it makes sense for everybody who's going to be watching the game or part of our broadcast. 
most of our broadcast is is uh, done by volunteers as well. There's myself, another staff producer named John Costello, and then our play-by-play guy, Pete Dalladay, who's actually doing play-by-play for your Halifax Thunderbirds in the National Lacrosse League right now. Um, and then our color commentator, Scott Arnold, who also did a game. Peterborough is a huge lacrosse town. Um, so then in the summer, when it's not Pete's hockey, I'm doing the exact same thing for the Peterborough Lakers of Major Series Lacrosse, which is uh, Senior A Lacrosse, but it's kind of like an NLL All-Star team in Peterborough with so many of the top talent, top talented players in the National Lacrosse League coming from here. I bet you they know a guy named uh, Jake Withers. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a he's a very he's a tough, tough, tough player, and uh, the best best faceoff man in the world of lacrosse. Oh. Um, and just just nails out there every game. And yeah, he's a he's a Peterborough guy, right? And he's playing for Halifax, I believe, now in the NLL. He is playing uh, for Halifax. Yeah, actually, we just had him on the show uh, two weeks ago, and then last week we had Colton Armstrong on. So we have a lot of uh, Peterborough ties. So yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. And when when Pete Galladay is away doing the games, uh, I I step in and get a chance to call some OHL games for the Peterborough Pete's, uh, which is an honor and amazing and. Uh, Really, the most fun that that I've that I have in broadcasting. It's the closest thing to actually playing the game that I can imagine. And you kind of lose that competitiveness. For me, it was at the end of minor hockey. There was no no junior or anything. A little a little bit of just playing men's league with all my friends, right? And you lose that competitiveness once uh, rep hockey ends. So it, it's fun. You're you're just really into it each and every moment, and uh, you love doing it all. It's it's uh, it's been a pretty good ride. <laughs> Well, it's awesome. I mean, being able to do all of that and being able to be a part of so much. And it's just wicked to be a part of hockey, period. I know you love it. A lot of people enjoy trying to get into it and just talk about it and be a part of it. So to hear everything that you're doing, especially on the volunteer side, is amazing because that's definitely needed, especially at the grassroots level and, you know, just going up through the ranks. So, tip of the, again, tip of the cap to you. It's going to be, a, you know, a tip of the cap episode to you all the way. Yeah, I know you're uh, passionate about the game as well. I've caught your videos. Uh, post game, you're getting right into it. Uh, obviously, a big passionate Leafs fan, right? Oh, diehard, diehard. You got to be passionate. You know, they put you through so much. So why not just have a little fun with it at the beginning? And for me, I try to keep it all positive. You know, there's so much negative in the world. Why not have a little fun and just say how they can win and have a little bit of enjoyment out of it instead of throwing the negative water on everything. Well, I'll say I'm guilty. I'm a bit of a Leafs cynic at this point in time. I did have a dog. I grew up with a dog named Wendell, like a like crazy go hard Leafs fan. Dog named Wendell. Uh, like the whole shebang. Leafs room was decorated in, uh, in blue, or my bedroom was all maple Leafs, and I had the John Tavares pajamas pretty much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just growing up around the Leafs, I'm, I'm definitely a cynic at this point in time. I've been broken. I've gotten to the point where I look at each game like, man. God, these guys are lazy. Man, they're making so much money. Why aren't they out there competing? And I, I don't know. So you, you kind of lose a little bit of the optimism, I guess, as you go. Good for you for holding on to that. Uh, I don't know if I'll find it again. Hopefully I do. Well, for me, I just try to avoid all the noise, right? And the best part about what I do for my day-to-day, which is driving a, a truck for Praxair, is I don't have access to seeing Twitter 24-7 or social media or, you know, all the comments and everything coming out. So when I'm done my day, I get to read what I want to read, and that's it. So it's not a constant bombardment of the negativity. And like I said, I just focus on the fun. 
You know, that's what it's supposed to be. Hockey for everyone who enjoys it, at least. It's supposed to take you away from the day-to-day, and you're supposed to get immersed in it, enjoy it, cheer, get frustrated, but then when it's done, it's done. And that's what it's I'm supposed to be. I'm for sure with you that hockey is an escape from everything. Um, and, and that's my favorite thing about sports. If you're going through a tough time, you can kind of dive into that and uh, just uh, really immerse yourself. And there's such a community around the game which is one of my favorite things as well. Like, and again, I'll just go back to the pink and the rinks as an example. The, yep. the community in, in Peterborough in itself uh, that forms around the pink and the rink game is amazing. And, and where else can you get that in the world these days other than sports? Um, yep. Religion, uh, I, some people will say fortunately, some people will say unfortunately, in my eyes, is, is kind of taking a back, a back step in the world these days, right? So that was maybe church was your community. And not so many people go to church anymore. So the arenas are becoming churches, in my point of view, um, at least in Canada, just the way that people treat them and the way that it becomes a community. And I know that's, again, sacrilegious to some people, but uh, it's just the truth. Like Not so many people are going out every Sunday to, to gather with their community. But in Peterborough, every Thursday, you're going to get uh, between 3,000 and 4,000 people at the Peterborough Memorial Center. So if you can't call that church, I don't know what it is. <laughs> No, I hear many people say it, and it's it's said a lot on, you know, Hockey Night in Canada or even uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey. You know, the community rink is where everybody gathers, everybody gets together, and that's where you see everybody, you know, if it's even once a week. But, you know, I agree with you. I definitely agree with you that the, the new kind of church is going to, you know, where everybody gathers, which is the, the hockey rink in the winter, and maybe the pitch in the summer where everybody gets to play a little soccer. But definitely wintertime, that's where everybody's going to, and you're 100% correct, Dan. I think I might be the only Italian kid who didn't grow up playing soccer also. My dad somehow didn't didn't get me into the game. Don't know how. I'm grateful for it, actually. Ended up playing baseball uh, growing up in Whitby, not lacrosse, uh, which obviously is the big game in Peterborough now. Yeah, lacrosse is, is definitely booming. And out here in Halifax, like I said, you were touching on it. I'll say the Thunderbirds have done a great job of getting a foothold here. And the games are – the atmosphere is just absolutely insane. The music going – the, the, you know, it's the fastest game on two feet for a reason, and it's definitely awesome. I know you've been immersed in it too, so no, it's wicked to see that out here for, for us, and you know, now we're catching up maybe with the rest of uh, Canada with getting the National Lacrosse League team out here. Yeah, it's it's really awesome to see, and my favorite thing about lacrosse is, like, hockey, the game in itself, I find over the past decade, and I'm sure you'll agree, is, has changed so much. Like, the style of play has changed, the physicality has gone way down. For me, that was a that was really what attracted me to the game of hockey was the the compete and almost the hatred between the two teams where they're going out there and uh, they're going to war essentially um, with uh, the downside of fighting going out of the game and that can be a good thing it can be a bad thing for many different reasons there's a, a whole long argument around that but for me the big hits which which are when it does come down to it realistically they're dangerous they happen I miss them still. Um, that was something that I'd always get up for. Uh, my favorite thing on uh, Monday Night Football was the jacked-up segment, and those have been deemed dangerous. They are. They're dangerous. People get really hurt. In lacrosse, the the style of play isn't so dangerous. Where I, I see that game being on the rise, where concussions in lacrosse are less common than concussions in football or hockey, simply because of the speed that the guys are moving at and the way they collide. You're moving your stick more, and you're hitting on the arms, on the shoulders, and it's like head contact's quite rare in the cross, unless you do get into a fight, which is going to be just as dangerous as a hockey fight, maybe even a little bit more. But yeah, I see lacrosse 
being on the rise for that reason because the game hasn't changed yeah. uh, that much. Uh, and it, it, it doesn't have to. It's, it's just the way it's played. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll be huge in, in Halifax in the near future. Well, I'll leave it like this for hockey. You know, Steve Dangle says it all, t- all the time. You know, hockey is a great game, and it'll be even better when it's finally done because it's never going to be complete. They keep changing and tinkering. You know, it's like you said, if they get a set set of rules and, and get it figured out, it'll be good, but it's always evolving and always changing. You look at football, you look at, um, you know, lacrosse, like you just said, basketball. There's not huge wholesale changes like you've seen with the National Hockey League. Hey, maybe that's why soccer's so popular. It's just soccer. <laughs> that's it. That's why it's grabbed such a hold. Everybody can understand it. Once you know the rules, you're in, and there's nothing changing. So, And it doesn't change through each level you go to either. Yeah, that's and that's, again, that's another thing that I love about baseball because you can keep playing baseball until you're 40, until you just can't run anymore or whatever, who knows, right? Uh, but it, it's the game that just continues to be the same uh, as you grow. Uh, but uh, you always miss the physicality and and the uh, the modern war, modern war mentality of uh, competitive contact sports. Oh, it's, it's bred in us. Everybody gets competitive. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, you played street hockey. You, even though it was all your buddies, you still wanted to come out on top. And <laughs> you grinded and you, you slashed sticks. And, you know, you got up in each other's faces. And you guys were the best of friends sipping on a juice box afterwards. But when you're on the street battling for the ball, it's, you know, no holds barred. So, yeah, no, it's, it's always in us. From kids all the way up. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you get into your first uh, dust-up playing street hockey with your closest friends, absolutely. <laughs> well, to, uh, to further on the, the, the CHL, I've seen uh, through your timeline there that you were at the CHL's top prospect game. I'm wondering how the game was and all the festivities around it. I wonder how everything uh, was taking it in, kind of as not only just a person in the media, but also as a fan. How was everything for the experience? It was pretty cool for me. Um... And a, a different angle from a fan. The fans were excited when it came down to it on game day. But the, the two days before, um, I was there helping to conduct interviews for uh, a broadcast we have coming up next Sunday, which is our Your TV Hockey Day in the OHL, where we broadcast uh, four straight games across the province. So, And we kind of anchor it from a studio. Uh, so we have uh, Terry Doyle, who is our, our I guess, director of OHL Broadcasting for Your TV. He had set up a studio in a hotel room, which was a bit of a casting couch vibe, but uh, <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it was working. Where, uh, like Sportsnet had their their suite, uh, uh, the NHL, the OHL, and the players were just kind of making the rounds and going from camera to camera to camera. Um, and it, it was pretty fun doing that. We interviewed uh, 10 of the OHL players that were going to be in the game, and my, the hotel I was staying at is actually the Sheridan in downtown Hamilton attaches to an underground mall, which pops out right at the entrance to the first Ontario center. Um, so I didn't experience too much, uh, I guess, fandom cause I didn't even go outside to be honest <laughs> with you, except for, except for the first Ontario center to, uh, to the hotel. But, uh, when it did come down to it, everybody that was there was saying we're, they were surprised at how many people turned out, uh, at, former Cops Coliseum, because it's such a massive building, right? It's a 15, 16,000 capacity arena. You just don't see that happen in, in OHL rinks. Uh, the average attendance is probably around 5,000 to 4,000 for games. Uh, but the atmosphere on game day was a blast. Um, I know hometown hockey was going to be in town the day after in Hamilton, right in the area. So Ron McLean and, and Tara Sloan were there. And, 
and the Sportsnet crews are there. Bob McKenzie's there. Craig Button's there. Like all the big shooters from from media are there. It's a little intimidating, to be honest with you, because uh, you don't know how to just go up and talk to them. I actually grew up pretty close to Bob McKenzie. Went to school with his son Sean uh, at the College of Sports Media. We're just a year apart growing up in Whitby, um, but still, you're like that's Bob McKenzie. You can't just go up and talk to him. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it was, the game itself was was a, a little bit of a tough one. And Will Cooley got into a fight, uh, first fight of the top prospects game in six years. I know that the Pete's head coach Rob Wilson commented on that. He's kind of a, an old school mentality guy behind the bench, so he was the lone Pete's representative. But it was it was definitely great to spend a couple of days there and, and take it all in. You don't get a chance to see that all the time when you're in a place like Peterborough. When I was in Oshawa, you got to see it a lot more. Just simply because of its proximity to the big city Toronto, right? Uh, and then you get just another hour further and you see less and less people. But, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a good experience. Were there any players for you that stood out or surprised you during the Top Prospects game, or was it basically uh, what you expected? I know there's got to be someone who jumps to mind. Uh, there were two, and they were a deep pair. Uh, I'm blanking on Poirier's first name right now. Uh, he plays in the queue, though, so maybe you'll have a better idea. Um, and Jamie Drysdale, uh, they were just amazing. Jamie Drysdale, uh, for me, I don't see him too often either because he plays in Erie and they only come to Peterborough once a year. Um, but when he would pick up the puck in his own zone, he would make a pass, and then all of a sudden, like a snap of the finger, he's in the neutral zone receiving a give-and-go. Like, uh, his skating ability was amazing, and he was p- working off of Poirier so well, and Poirier a guy from the queue who had uh, amazing hands. He was physical. He was everything that I want to see in a defenseman. Neither one of them are intimidating in terms of their size, but their speed, uh, their ability to move the puck, and their ability to get into the proper position to, to advance the play was just so impressive. Uh, Drysdale, for me, it was, was my, I guess, de facto player of the game just from watching defensemen. That's the position that that I'm closest to and uh, the one that I pay attention to the most. And uh, another interesting one was Jack Quinn from the Ottawa 67s. I ran into his parents in an elevator and I asked them if they were fans or parents and they said, we're we're parents. And I guessed, uh, are you uh, Jack Quinn's parents? And they said, how did you know? (laughs) Well, you're wearing an Ottawa 67s hat and neither one of you are Austrian. Uh, Marco Rossi, being the Austrian representative from the Ottawa 67s, he was the player of the game, right? Yeah. Uh, two goals, and uh, he'll be a first-round draft pick, another great player. Uh, so that was uh, those were a few of the real takeaways for me uh, from that game. Well, that's amazing. I mean, it's wicked to watch all those guys come together, especially the ones you don't get to see so often, like you said about Drysdale. I'm wondering, uh, a player that didn't exactly have a standout for the World Juniors, but was right behind Lafreniere for you know going first or second overall was Quinton Byfield. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this gentleman, and maybe did the World Juniors hamper him, um, or is he coming back to stride now that he's back in the uh, the OHL? I think the saying is uh, the World Juniors can only they can only help your draft stock. They can't hurt it if you're undrafted. That's that's kind of the rule of thumb that everybody goes by. Um, he. And I, you don't want to harp on the kid at all, really. Nope. But at the top prospects game, he, he, like everybody knows, he can skate, right? And he can take faceoffs, and he's got uh, the body to compete in the NHL. Um, he didn't get too many opportunities or create very many opportunities with himself 
or for himself in the top prospects game from what I saw. We were actually discussing in amongst uh, some other media people, what, what does he look like in the NHL? Is he a second-line checking center? And that's kind of what everybody uh, came out to as uh, what he what he could be. Could he blow us all away? Yes, and I hope he does. Um, he can skate. He can be physical. He can shoot the puck. He can win face-offs. Do I, know, do I think he'll be able to be a 90-point guy? I don't think so, really. But, again, I hope he does. I hope he blows me out of the water and one day I can sound like an idiot saying this um, because I remember seeing him at the OHL Cup when he was in his minor midget year. I just had to go see him because you got to see this kid skate. And uh, it sounds like thunder roaring down the ice. Uh, he, he looks different. Uh, so that's, that's really the thing that's going to allow him to have a 10, 15, 20-year NHL career. He skates like an absolute beast and uh got a got a shot of him taking off in slow motion as well and you're surprised there aren't holes in the ice when he does leave a stride behind because he's so powerful and uh such an excellent skater but he had a hard time dealing with Lafreniere and he saw Lafreniere go at him physically um that's something I'm sure he'll be able to work around one day but uh the top prospects game just uh didn't seem to be his night no and the reason why I bring him up is because you know there's something that I, I've learned watching a little bit, and then speaking with Craig Button, you know, some people, when they get anointed, you know, well, you might go first overall, you know, you might pass Lafreniere, or, you know, this, 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 you know, it's kind of, I don't want to say it like this is a bad way, but it's like fat cat syndrome, you kind of get filled up with it, and yeah. you may feel like you already got, you know, your stock's already built in the bank, and you don't have to worry about it, and maybe, it's not trying so hard, like we talked about the Leafs a moment ago, but it's just... Maybe you take your foot off the gas a little bit and coast because you're 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 hanging on your laurels of what you've already done. And with with Byfield, you know, by the end of the tournament when I was speaking with Mark Seidel, who who, you know, scouts everyone, you know, he said it looked like he was gripping his stick too much because he just, you know, went in there thinking that, okay, I'm gonna dominate with Lafreniere, we're gonna have a great time and it didn't come to him. You know, so maybe yeah. resting on your laurels is not a good thing and maybe I wouldn't say kicking the pants, but maybe just a step up and get ready to go for the second half for him for the OHL. I think he'll tear it up. And I'm with you. I hope he proves me wrong because I had high hopes, and I really like the kid. I like everything he brings. So I really, really, really hope that everything goes into gear for him and he puts us all into the uh, you guys shouldn't talk about that stuff. I think the real thing that uh, that impressed me off the bat, and uh, everybody, like reporting is a big issue in the OHL. Will Cooley, like, playing in that top prospects game, didn't report to Peterborough. Um, so that was a big moment of contention for Pete's fans. And then the player they have this year, they took in fifth overall uh, for the compensatory pick, Mason McTavish. He initially didn't want to report, and it, and he ended up reporting. But when, uh, when Quentin Byfield reported to Sudbury, uh, without even considering it, seemingly just saying, "Yeah, I'm going to go." That, that I think that said a lot about uh, him as a, a kid and a player, and uh, incredibly mature. And, and he came through the same organization that brought up Connor McDavid until he went to play with the Marlies in uh, in Newmarket. So there's something in the water out there in Newmarket, I guess, uh, <laughs> producing elite elite skaters and mature young men. I'll add. Yes, no, definitely. Well, you look at hockey as a whole, and we could touch on this for just a second. The way that they they tailor the kids now, even in the younger ranks, you know, it's always you know bring your bring your tie, nice dress, your nice shoes, you know, respectable, you know, all the way through. They try to make sure that you have that professionalism of you. So when you get to the higher levels, it's not shell shock, you know. 
you know yeah. what's expected. You know, you, you got to look nice and presentable and you have to be there and, and be ready. So, yeah, and, and also the maturity. I, I feel like these guys are maturing a lot faster. And there's also things, you know, that happen. Like we look at the Austin Matthews thing of the summer, you know, when he got in trouble. You know, things are going yeah. to happen. These guys are still young men. They're still, you know, going to learn from making mistakes. I mean, that's the best way you learn is by making a mistake. But definitely, I think the professionalism and the maturity is definitely taught and bred into them at a younger age. Yeah, and that, that that's one of my that's one of the things I love about about hockey as well is what it can teach you. And and I've I've done some coaching as well when I was done playing hockey. I started coaching fifteen and sixteen year olds and. Uh, with my dad, who coached me growing up, and and yeah, it really is at every level of hockey, um, especially where I grew up. Uh, it was always ingrained in us to be to remember who you're representing. You're representing your town. You're representing your teammates, the parents, everybody. Uh, when you are somewhere, so it's a good thing to learn uh, when you are a young kid. If you want to be a professional someday, school, whatever. Um, and hockey players seem to be really good at that. And something else. When I do, I like to ask that question a lot. Is to a guy who's these guys who are entering their draft, their draft year, their NHL draft year. Ask them how much they feel they've grown personally in the past year and a half. And for them, it's like they've grown a hundred percent more than they did in the previous five years of their life in that one little year and a half segment because of all the things they're being thrown at them. Most people don't move away from home if they ever do move away from home when they go away to school. And at that point, you're an adult. You're 18, 19 years old. These guys are moving away at uh, 15, 16. So it, so much happens in, in that time frame in your life, and they have to go out and, and almost handle it on their own. They have a pretty good support system along the way, uh, but they're all really impressive in the way they handle that. No, definitely. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was 15, 16, I definitely wasn't moving away from home. I was trying to figure out the world, and these guys seem to uh, have figured out the path they're trying to carve. So you got to give a tip, big tip of the cap to billet families who take care of these guys and, you know, help mold them into the people they're going to be. Yeah, I was stocking shelves at a grocery store when I was 15, 16 years old, and, <laughs> and I did, did that until I was 21. So <laughs> I didn't have to mature too much putting bananas on the shelf. <laughs> for me i was hucking bottles at a recycling depot so same thing didn't really have to mature too much throwing bottles around a store <laughs> well um we're talking about the ohl i want to get your thoughts on the peterborough peets this season everything that's going on how do you feel about the team and what do you expect out of these guys going forward well, i've been, been covering them for seven years and they've been to the conference finals uh, one time through that span and that was an exciting year but uh, I keep telling everybody that there's something different about this year. Everybody is acting a little bit different, feeling a little bit different. There is an energy in town that, that hasn't existed in, uh, again, the seven years I've been covering them. Uh, so I, I have a good feeling about the team, uh, the way they're constructed, the way they're built. I know uh, Rob Wilson's mentality, like, I'll just say he's like six foot four and uh, played a hard rock style of defense. If you look at the Pete's back end, I think. Now there's, there's not one player under six feet tall. They're all big defensemen, and they all move the puck, and they all are just difficult to deal with in their own zone. And then you have Hunter Jones, a second-round draft pick of a goalie factory, the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I think that's their real strength uh, to me, is the way that they perform in their own end when they're disciplined and doing everything right. 
Uh, and th- I think that goes back to actually the team that I saw win the Memorial Cup from the Oshawa Generals that was coached by DJ Smith, now of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, they had big guys on the back end, like a guy named Josh Brown, who's now playing for the Florida Panthers. And he was just a big tree back there who would make it difficult for anybody to move through him. Uh, and the way that uh, Rob Wilson will descri- describe it, he said it's like skating through seaweed, uh, <laughs> having all those big guys in their own end where they're just slowing you down and stopping you from getting to where you need to be. And then at the deadline, they had a guy uh, on t- uh, named Jack York on the back end from Barry, and he has been amazing. And in addition to their power play, where they were running four forwards on the power play pretty much the entire season. Now they have the ability to put him back there with Declan Chisholm, who's leading the way in OHL points from a defenseman. And I know that he is chasing the Defenseman of the Year award in the OHL. He said that to me. He wants to go get that. Uh, so he's motivated. A fifth-round pick of the Winnipeg Jets. It's, he scored two goals last night as well. Um, one, just a snipe from the blue line. Another one, a little bit closer in. Uh, so they have offense coming from the back end. They have strong defense. Uh, everything seems to be set in stone on the back end there. And a couple of young guys in Sean Spearing, who I think is a future captain of the team, and, and Artem Guriev, who's been up and down with the Lindsey Muskies of the OJHL and the Peterborough Peets in, in the OHL as a second-round draft pick, who the first day I met him said he loves the hit because he can make people scared to play against him in a bit of a Russian accent. He's a Russian player love his game as well um but then you look at the forward group and you may have seen the goal last night as a Leafs fan with Semen Dragachinsev and Nick Robertson just dancing the puck up the ice with behind the back passes and then a one-touch goal and I like I just I audibly said that's disgusting that was disgusting there and uh it's it's crazy to say but Akil Thomas has become the grinder on that line like Akil Thomas, not to say it's crazy that he's working hard because he's a hard-working player, but he's the guy who goes in and gets the pucks. He's the Zach Hyman on yep. that line, essentially. Um, and if you have a guy like that being your puck retriever, just think of the opportunities it opens up as the play continues. They work the cycle unlike anything I've seen in the OHL this year. And for Robertson and Dragicin to have two guys who are uh, both, I'm 5'9", they're both pretty much my height. Um, and they weigh less than me. <laughs> they weigh much less than me. Like they're not very big guys, um, but they can dominate down low, working off of Akil Thomas, and they just possess the puck in the zone for minutes at a time. And then if you have guys who can shoot it and can score when you're when you're holding onto the puck, it's just bound to happen. And it's been amazing to see. And the depth that is pushed down uh, because of Akil Thomas being added to the group. Let's uh, Maritimer Zach Gallant. Uh, well, his family are Maritimers, uh, be out there and play a bit more of a shutdown role, which he excels at as an absolute beast out there. He's an overager. He's got a contract with the San Jose Sharks. He can shoot the puck like a pro hockey player, and, and he can dominate physically and win faceoffs uh, like a pro hockey player, and he, he sprinkles in goals here and there as well. He had a couple last night. Um, it's It's really been impressive to see the way the team has developed this year and the way that their structure has gone on. They have a third line that's anchored by Max Grondon and Brady Hins and whoever else goes out there with them. John Parker Jones, he's a six foot five guy who, who just crushes people on the four check. Same deal with Max Grondon. He can win faceoffs. And you go down to the fourth line, a guy named Keegan McMullen has been amazing. Uh, Tucker Robertson, a guy who we, I guess, affectionately will call the other Robertson, is a 16-year-old <laughs> who plays like an 18, 19-year-old. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good team. It's a really, really good team. Um, 
and people are excited about it in Peterborough for sure. Well, they should be excited about it. I mean, we just touched on it for a moment there. Leafs fans are definitely watching, you know, with bated breath because it is amazing to watch Robertson and SDA play. And then, like you said, out of Keel Thomas to that line. Now, I'm wondering for you about SDA um, being a Leaf fan. Obviously, this is a, a Leaf-centric podcast. So he went over to the Newfoundland Growlers the end of last year and played a little bit there. Now he's come back and is doing well with Robertson. Um, wondering, is it playing with Robertson that's got him up in the numbers, or do you think he's starting to to find his own stride to deliver his own play and not rely on anyone else? I think there's something else I attribute to his last season, and I just think it's being a young kid and getting an eighty thousand dollars signing bonus. Like, <laughs> you ever, you're, like I've never seen a check for eighty thousand dollars. Nope. Um, I don't know how I would react if I got one just. Slap down and again we talk about being an 18 year old kid imagine having 80 grand just chucked in front of you that's that's something else like that would throw me for a loop for sure yeah I, I think last year was a new coach last year for him as well um his his wing his wingman and Pavel Gogolev gets traded away from the team to the Guelph Storm and Gogolev is absolutely shredding the OHL right now and the when the the Pete's traded Gogolev for Ryan Merkley that didn't end up working out but yeah Gogolev lost his wingman He's found a new one in Nick Robertson, and I'm sure you know he, he's not the greatest goal scorer. He's been scoring; he scored three goals since Akil Thomas has come on board. Yep. But uh, he's a distributor, and he's a guy with vision and creativity to a fault at times. Uh, like uh, he'll try and make a behind-the-back pass in the neutral zone, or he'll try a toe drag as the last man back. And I think that's just something that creative hockey players do. I can't get in that state of mind. But uh, he's trying to pull it off. Uh, I know when they first drafted him, I was thinking this guy's going to be an 80, 90-point guy in the OHL, without a doubt. He's hit some road bumps along the way. Um, being a smaller guy, with uh, he doesn't have top-end speed, and I don't know if he ever will. Uh, but he's he's got vision, uh, really, really great vision. And I think he's somebody who can make people around him better more so than he's going to feed off of others. So, yeah, I'd say that having Robertson with him definitely contributes to it because Nick Robertson is, that guy is a competitor, like a true, true competitor. He's, a, he's, he's so gritty and so skilled, and he's got this, this level of, uh, of cockiness, which I think is perfect uh, for a guy who's going to play on the wing because he said this year, you know, in the years prior, I was I was dishing the puck off a little bit more because I didn't want to upset the older guys. So he's got a level of awareness as well as to where he fits into a group. But he always, always, always knows his ability. And he's known his ability since he was drafted by the Peterborough Peets. And, and he told us on a conference call uh, that his hands were better than his brother Jason's. <laughs> so, so he's got confidence, but he just he kind of doesn't want to rock the boat too much. But this year he said, I'm going for it. If it's a two-on-one, you can expect me to shoot, pretty much, is what he's saying. And he's been shooting, and he had a couple last night again. So, or a couple this weekend, at least. I can't remember how many he had last night. The Pete's won 9-2. Um, I do believe it was two can... two goals, one assist, I think it was. Okay, there we go. Then, yeah, and uh, and won the night before, and the 2 nothing went. Uh, he's such an competitor. Loves to, loves to shoot low. You don't see a lot of goal scorers these days who love shooting low. If he's in all alone with a goalie, he'll snap it five-hole. He'll snap it far side along the ice. That seems to be his go-to. When he's winding up to shoot, you can kind of see the tell where he'll hold it way back in his stance. He doesn't lead very much with the puck, but uh, 
he loves to shoot low, and he's great at it. So put your Dan Malta prediction hat on for Leafs fans right now. How far away do you think one SDA is from cracking the Leafs lineup, and two Nick Robertson? I, I it's so hard to say, right? Um, I think uh, I think Nick Robertson is more of the known commodity, and it's easier to guess that he'll be playing in the NHL sooner than 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 Seven Dragutinsev, and simply because. He's a second-round draft pick. The evaluators know that. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a pro hockey evaluator, and I'd, I'd say that's probably the reason why they were taking the third round and second round is because one's closer to playing in the NHL than the other. I, I legitimately wouldn't be able to put a number on it. I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to see them play a little bit more in pro, but uh, from competitiveness and skill, I'd say they both have a great shot at the league. Uh, Nick Robertson... Probably a little bit closer than Semen Dragachinsev. Just uh, if you look at the way they play, uh, Semen Dragachinsev would, you, you think when he gets to pro, he's not going to start on a first line. So how does he adapt uh, to a fourth line role or a third line role in the ECHL or AHL? I don't know what that looks like yet. Uh, I haven't seen him in one of those roles yet. So we'll see. He is he is good at takeaways. He is good on the back, good on back pressure and, and sneaking a puck away from somebody. Um, I just don't know how that translates really to the next level. We'd have to wait and see. Definitely. Well, that's what training camp's for, and that's what evaluation's for. But I know Nick Robertson, there was a lot of people that had him on their list as a first-round pick, at least uh, 10, between 10 and 15, including Mark Seidel. So he's a guy that I rely heavily on for scouting for you know North American Central Scouting. So you know what? He went where he went, but a lot of people had him a lot higher, so some people oh. think the Leafs got him as a steal, so let's hope that's the steal and we go. Yeah, Nick played that whole season with a broken wrist. He's wearing a cast, uh, a hard cast for some games, and a soft cast, really, the entire season. And as your bottom hand, like think about playing hockey with a cast on your wrist, especially a guy who loves to stick handle as much as he does. Yeah, no. Um, it was definitely a hindrance. And then he broke his finger this year, and he's still lighting things up uh i don't think we've seen nick robertson at his best yet and that right now where he's on a torrid pace is a scary scary thought <laughs> yes yes for the rest of the ohl for for people in peterborough they are certainly excited well the other team that you do a lot of work for is the Cobra cougars you are the play-by-play for them I'm wondering for you, that's an exciting gig in itself, getting amped into the game like we were talking about when you do the coverage for the OHL. Um, I'm wondering for you, with a team that's 16-19-3, third in the East Division, I'm wondering what these guys need to do to propel themselves a little bit further up the rankings, and what do you see out of the Coburg Cougars? Well, I'm going to be a little bit blunt and say they're not going to be propelling themselves uh, any further up the rankings with the Trenton Golden Hawks and Wellington Dukes. Uh, that's the class of that division, the class of that conference. I don't know that they have it in them to beat them, although they did just beat Trenton after losing 9-1 to Trenton. Uh, but another thing to throw into the mix for the Cougars, they started their season with uh, Jerome DuPont behind the bench. You remember, might remember him. He's a first-round draft pick of the Chicago Blackhawks, I think back in the late 70s, early 80s. I'm not sure. Played in the NHL, um, and they let him go earlier in the season, and then Thomas Plummer took over. Uh, Thomas Plummer coached his last game with the team after that 9-1 loss to the Trenton Golden Hawks. So tonight, I'll be seeing another new coach. Honestly, don't even know the name yet of uh, who's going to be coaching the team. I just found out probably 
a half hour to an hour ago that uh, they had re- moved on to their third head coach of the season. Uh, so That's a little unheard of. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be tough for the kids, you'd have to imagine. Uh, yeah. They've made some They made some deals around the deadline. It's, if they're able to go any further, I'd be frank, I'd be really surprised. Uh, I think they're kind of slotted in and they're going to stay where they are and they're looking to next year. Yeah, you have to say that. That's where they are as a team and as a group. Going through two coaches and moving on to your third in one season is probably never a recipe for success. No. Who know? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, uh, that's what I. That'd be my take right away. It's probably going to be a tough uh, finish to the season. But uh, they're a team that that I got to see um, win an RBC Cup as well. Um, so that was really exciting. That was just four years ago. Well, that lends in, leads into my next one there. You know, favorite game or favorite moment, um, you know, for you must have been the RBC Cup. But is there another moment that maybe stands out to you that's uh, important or spectacular that you got to be a part of? Um, well, you know, I got a shout from Ron McLean two weeks ago. That was amazing. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, that was uh, that was pretty cool um, because we did a, a hockey day in Northumberland and uh, we did four straight games, or so I call it four straight games, one midget girls game, um, one junior C game, and then a Bantam boys game, and then the Cobra Cougars junior A game to close out the day. So I've never done anything like that, uh, doing four straight uh, four straight games in a row. Like That was amazing. Uh, the Generals winning the Memorial Cup was, was an amazing year. They won the OHL championship against uh, Connor McDavid and the Erie Otters. Like that, that was wild. And to be able to, to witness that up close, uh, that's something I'll remember forever. Uh, the, the reactions actually from the defensemen, the Jens defensemen at the time, are the things that I'll remember forever about Connor McDavid and almost always use as an anecdote, where they would tell me that they would audibly say, holy bleep, when they'd see him start coming down the ice at him. Um, hopefully I get a new memory this year with the Peterborough Peets. Uh, really looking forward to what the playoffs will bring. Uh, my dream scenario, um, and objectively looking at this, is to see them play the Ottawa 67s in the conference finals. I think that would be an amazing series. There's a rivalry there. Um, they've had just awesome games against one another so far this season, um, and the talent in that series would be incredible. Uh, looking forward to it. No, definitely. You know, I can't wait to see what happens for the Peets. Um, you know, we'll we'll touch on them again probably here in a couple of moments. But just for for Coburg's standpoint, you know, like you said, rebuilding year. So let's get excited for for next year, obviously. But this year, keep the uh, keep the energy going. I know you're a guy that will do that. And something the team has done, kind of in the community, keep everything up and the spirits good. Um, a moment that speaks to me is the one the Coburg Cougars did with. Uh, with Nick's, uh, is it Scar, I believe his last name is? Yeah, that, oh man, I, I actually edited a piece together on that and I started shedding tears but just, just watching it. Yeah, Nick Scar, uh, he is uh, a quadruplet. He, his three other brothers play hockey. Uh, Nick has been around the Cougars uh, for forever. Uh, Adam Yon, the GM of the team, and his wife, Rachel, have, they, they really make sure that the game day experience is an excellent one uh, for Nick. It's that's again talk about hockey being a church or part of the community that brings people together and yep. it's it's amazing nick has his reserve seat each and every game right beside one of our camera operators and uh yeah he's a he's a knowledgeable guy about hockey too he knows what he's talking about 
and he gets a chance to really be a part of the team now. Uh, they gave him a jersey. He gets to go into the room before the game. Uh, yeah, that was a great moment. Uh, you know what? It's amazing that you actually got to see that somehow, or looking up and finding that. That's that's great that you got to see that, and great for the Cougars that, that people are able to see that uh, across the country because not everyone's doing that. Um, but a great moment, and that for me, uh, uh, Peterborough Challenger baseball as well is something else in town that uh, that I absolutely love, and uh, giving people a chance to experience uh, the sense of community of being part of a team that otherwise wouldn't have been able to it to, uh, wouldn't have been able to experience it is something that I'm passionate about. My dad worked in the wheelchair industry, so I just by osmosis was exposed to that as a young kid um, going to uh, Variety Village in Scarborough and uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that but it's uh, a gym for people with disabilities and it's a it's a, a recreation facility for people with disabilities okay. and seeing people yeah, seeing people experience um, being part of a team when they wouldn't have been able to otherwise wouldn't have been able to is amazing uh we've had actually a couple of hockey tournaments roll through peterborough as well uh for special needs hockey the electric city maroon and white uh that's the team in town uh that's yeah that's all great stuff and having people become and being welcomed into the, the sports community is something i love to see no inclusivity is huge and when i read the story about nick i thought that was absolutely awesome i mean making his dream come true being a part of the team and like you said the game day experience i didn't get to see that but or read about that but that is amazing they they go above and beyond for him and you know the love of hockey you can just see it on his face you know it's it's absolutely awesome 100 percent that they did that because and it must have gotten some sort of attention because i got to see it out here and just just reading about it, it was like, okay, that's something I definitely have to bring up at the end because that's a huge moment. And, you know, where you were just talking about the season, everybody's looking forward to next season. You know, for him, this is this is it. This is everything for him, right? So to be a part of the team and be a part of the squad now is absolutely a dream come true. So it was wicked to see that. Yeah, you know, he'll be there next year too. And yep. the year after that, Nick loves the team. And the players all know it as well. Uh, they, that's one of the, the things that they would say is, hey, he's going to be here long after we're gone uh, we know nick is going to be here in, until the end is what they say they say you'll be a, a diehard uh, cobra cougars fan and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that good team to cheer for and maybe on next year they'll be top of the division and he'll be uh waving the flag for everybody and being the the, uh, the rallying cry for everyone in the city yeah it's uh the way that the ojhl works there's no draft it's all recruitment so it's you never know what you're going to get any given season. Yeah, you could get a championship year, and and the, when they did win the RBC Cup, it was it was kind of spearheaded by the acquisition of Josh McGuire, who had played for the Peterborough Peets for four years prior and and didn't stay in the OHL for his overage season. Came down and captained the Cobra Cougars to uh, a Canadian national championship. Uh, you never know what you're going to get at that level of hockey, and, and that that not just talking about each season i'm talking about each period and each game um, yep it's it's yeah when they say well that's junior hockey it's junior hockey you get like <laughs> nine goals in five minutes it's not a, it's something that happens i've seen it happen this year already it's wild no big games like that nine goal games are they're fun to watch i mean we just got to witness that not too long ago with the toronto maple Leafs. so we should shift gears a little bit here um you know the 8-6 game with the uh, the winnipeg jets um, I'm wondering, we're going to wrap up here talking about the Leafs for a couple moments. I'm wondering how you feel about the Leafs. I know you said you're a cynic now, but obviously this season <laughs> didn't start off well with Mike Babcock, but we got Sheldon Keefe 
And since he's taken over, this team has a new lease on life. I know we've been a bit of a slump lately, but we did go on the 11-game point streak. And if you look at it, I mean, not too bad overall underneath Sheldon Keefe. Um, what are your thoughts on the squad? What do you like? What don't you like? And where do you see them ending up at the end of the season? Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. That is loaded. Um, <laughs> okay, what I like, the differences between Babcock and uh, Sheldon Keith, the players seem like they're happier, happier to be there. And again, I'm not in the room, not talking to them, but just watching them play hockey, smiling on the bench, uh, being themselves, a little bit more, more freedom to be themselves on the ice, which anybody appreciates in any line of work, right? But they have that. Uh, so I really like that uh, as a group. And the way that they're able to produce offense, obviously, is tops in the league. But that comes at a cost defensively, which everybody is quite aware of. And I think Sheldon Keefe said it best recently that uh, the team is just playing immaturely. Yep. And uh, they're looking immature. Uh, and they need to overcome that. I don't know what is going to send the message uh, through that team to let them know that you cannot survive playing freewheel in hockey. It's uh, like we saw, you know what, Pat Quinn's Leafs were kind of the same deal. They were a freestyle type of team. They, they never won a championship. Would, it, would anybody say they didn't have the talent to win a championship? Definitely not. They had it. It was all there. Um, but when you take that many risks, it's just uh, risk management when it comes down to it. If you allow that many chances during a game, you're going to get burned because you're playing against the best players in the world. Um, they just need to realize that somehow. I don't know what the wake-up call is going to be. Maybe it's going to be another first-round exit. Uh, it's because I don't see them. If they match up against Boston again, I don't. Can they figure it out? I don't know. Like my Maybe my favorite player on the team was probably Nazem Kadri because of what he brought to the table yeah. in terms of grit and uh, competitive nature. So who drags them into the war now? Who drags them into the fight? Zach Hyman. I don't know. The only guys I could say is Zach Hyman and, and Jake Muzzin, really. Unless they yeah. acquire somebody at the the deadline here, which everybody seems to be screaming for them to go and do, and uh, there's a few deals that are apparently on the table with Georgiev and a couple of other players that have been bantied about. But I think it needs to come with from within, to be honest. And I think seeing oh, yeah. Austin Matthews the other night against Chicago finally realized that hey, I'm six two, two hundred thirty four pounds, and just pummel buddy to the ice. He was trying to give him the business. I mean, maybe he needs to realize he could do that a little bit more. Yeah, he's a baby bull. That's what he is, right? Yeah. Like, he can go out there and he can truck people around if he wants to. Remember, like, Matt Sundin, that was an element of frustration for people a long time, oh, for a long time with Matt Sundin, right? Was, look at this monster. Like, he could just run through it. Remember when he, had, like, accidentally killed Brad May? Yep. He just ran into Brad May and didn't even see him coming, and Brad May was unconscious on the ice. Because Matt Sundin had the ability to do that as an absolute monster out there if he wanted to. He just, he just didn't do it. Uh, I don't know what that looks like if Austin Matthews decides to get angry. Like, who knows? Who knows what that would be like? Uh, and th- their back end is, is a real question for me as well. Also, like, what are you going to do with Morgan Riley out for another seven weeks? Yep. Can, can you even survive that? What's he like when he gets back? I've had a broken foot before. You can't exactly, like, you can't run. No. You can't, you can't lift weights like a hockey player. You can't squat. You can't really do lunges. Uh, you can get in a pool or something. I don't know uh, what the training staff is going to do with him um, in terms of keeping his strength up, his power up, and even his cardio. Uh, even riding a bike is going to be painful for him for the next little while. So what's he going to be like when he gets back? Uh, Jake Muzzin, hopefully he can 
just catch his stride right away, but he's also coming off of a broken foot. So think of those exact same concerns and apply them uh, to Muzzin. And then as you go down, Justin Hall has been a bright spot for me. Uh, I can't believe he didn't get a chance to play last year. Uh, When when he was first getting called up, he was just coming up and scoring goals and looking like a hockey player. Didn't get a chance to do it. So uh, it's great to see him get a contract extension. Great to see him in the lineup. Love that style of defenseman. But if you play him too much, he will eventually get exposed. Uh, We're seeing that now. He's getting exposed now. Especially yeah. without having his uh, minute-munching defensive partner in Jake Muzzin. So, you know, he's not not just a byproduct of Muzzin, but I think when you propel him into those upper echelons of minutes, you're going to start seeing the holes in his game a little bit more. His sweet spot is where they had him, and now you see him go up in the lineup and you see the problems and what's problematic for him. So hopefully Muzzin can come back, like you said, get the speed. Um, I do believe that they're going to make a deal. Um Tyson Berry, uh, although he is scoring, I still don't think he's the best fit for this team, but we have him for the rest of the year because you know they're not going to get rid of him. Well, I'm with you. Um, I don't like. I didn't understand exactly. Like Morgan Riley's coming off of a, a seven, like a close to really have 71 points last year. I think it was 72 points, yeah. Yeah, so he's coming off of that. Why do you want to add another one? You've, you've got that guy, and then you bring in Barry, and then all of a sudden Morgan Riley's confused as to what he has to be. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought it put pressure on uh, unnecessary pressure on Morgan Riley, who should have been rewarded with more ice time, more exposure on the power play, versus bringing in somebody else to do the exact same. Where job. have we seen this story before? We had a one goaltender named James Reimer who drug you to the playoffs, and then you said, "Well, you know what? It wasn't good enough," and they went got Bernier, and then neither goalie was ever the same. Yeah, hey, that's a that is a, a great point you just made there. I mean, give you props for that one. You know what, I'll get on one more thing. If you ever played GM mode on an HL 19 or 20, yep. if, if you trade for a player with the same role on your team as another player, that player's morale drops. And I know that's just a video game ex- or, uh, example, but uh, but yeah, you brought up a great example there. It, it, I think that's absolutely true. Just imagine somebody gets brought into to your work to do your exact same job. I know it would bug me. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, so... I didn't understand that at all, um, but hockey Twitter seemed to like it when it happened. I didn't. I I don't comment on the Leafs a lot on Twitter because I really find I I wholeheartedly disagree with the majority of uh, of hockey Twitter. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you on that. There's there's lots that I agree with, but like I said to you in the beginning, I'd rather stay to the positive side of things, and I take a beating for it sometimes. You know, how can you be so optimistic? Oh, you just see the bright side and everything, don't you? Or even when I do my videos, I get a lot of... Con- do you ever predict them losing? Well, no, you don't. never want to predict your team to lose. And you never want to, you know, like I said, rain on, rain on the parade. I want to enjoy what we have. You know, we finally have all these good players. I mean, sit back and think of all the teams that we've gone through, you know, over the years where we didn't make the playoffs. And I think Ty Domi yeah. said it the best. Ty Domi said the second that John Ferguson Jr. sent him out of town, was when the Leafs started missing the playoffs, and they missed the playoffs for 10 straight years. So you wonder yeah. what happened to these teams, right? It's the glue, and it's watching you know certain players that are hallmarks of the team you know, disappear, and then you try to, to make up for it by trading away two firsts and a second, <coughs> Kessel. For, and, you know, you for do a few those things. things on a spreadsheet, too, yep. sometimes. Well, you know what? I, I get where Dubas is trying to go. You know, the game is mm-hmm. speed, 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 and, and skill, skill, skill. But at the same time, you look at all of the teams that end up getting it done 
throughout the playoffs or even throughout the season, you look at Boston, you look at St. Louis when they had Maroon and all those guys grinding it out, there's a reason why those teams can grind it out because they have the staff to do so. And Toronto Toronto does need sandpaper, but it needs to be smartly added. It's not just a fourth-line guy that's going to go out there and drag his knuckles because those don't exist anymore, but it's got to be someone who makes sense. And, you know, there's not 31 or 32 Tom Wilsons out there, so who do you go and grab, right? So that's why I keep saying it's got to be from within. Yeah, hey, Mason Marchman, former Cobra Cougar. I've loved his game at every level. I don't know if it can translate to the NHL, but I know he's got that style of play in him. Um, I would love to see him develop into more than what he is, and it's great to see him get a chance in the NHL at the very least. Like, I know he's not, not going to be a Tom Wilson, um, but, uh, yeah, I, looking through it, their organizational depth is is starting to go away. And as they keep moving away from first-round draft picks, it scares me. And it just looks like exactly what's happened in the past, where you're going to get to a point where, what are you going to do? But uh, they have great scouting overseas, like bringing in a guy like Mikhaev. Yep. That's their bread and butter. I just I pray for him, that or hope for him, that he can come back and be the player that he was and get a contract that he was so clearly earning and be a part of the team. Um, that's... That's really where the Leafs are going to have to lean on things in the future, I think. And, hey, the salary cap's going to go up. The Marver contract's going to look a little bit better when that happens. Same deal with Matthews. Same deal with Nylander. I just hope that those players are loyal to the team when their deals do come up. And they realize that they've been treated fairly and they got treated well and they signed that last deal and not try and rake the Leafs over the coals again. You know what? I think a lot of those deals were signed out of spite, uh, so to speak, because of the coach. Um, players, you yeah. know, not saying I'm not going to take a discount because, you know, I'm not exactly tickled pink to be here. Like we spoke about, about the breath of fresh air and the, the happiness on the ice when these guys started playing for Keith. So, you know, maybe that's the reason there. And maybe when it comes around and these guys have had some success, maybe then you'll go and see what they'll do for the Maple Leafs. But, you know, for anybody who thinks the William Nylander deal is a bad deal, I think they need to give their head a shake because the guy is absolutely dominating this year and looking really good for the amount of money he's getting paid. Obviously, there's always a comparable to, you know, one Nathan McKinnon Pasternak because they're in the same ballpark as contract. Yeah. But those are different players, and their, their team structured their deals either before they became the player they were or the player signed the deal when the cap was at a different point. You know, so... Yeah, McK- McKinnon looked like a, almost a bust to an extent when he yep. did sign that deal, right? Like, is he going to be a 60-point guy the rest of his career? No, it turns out he's not going to, but that's what it was, and that's exactly what Nylander was. Yep, A 60-point guy. Yeah. Well, Dan, I want to thank you very much for taking the time. I know at the beginning of this we talked about how busy you are, the hat you wear, everything you do. So I want to say yet again, like I said, tip of the cap for everything you do for the Cobra Cougars, for the OHL, for the Peterborough Peets, and everything in between. It's been an honor to talk with you, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Yeah, man, that was really fun. That was a good hockey talk. really enjoyed <laughs> it. Uh, I'm going to go walk my dog and then drive up to Coburg now. <laughs> All right, well, safe travels, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right, later. Thank you. All right, so that was Dan Malta. You heard he is the OHL producer and host for the Peterborough Peets. He also does the play-by-play for the Coburg Cougars and wears many other hats in between, as you've heard. So enjoy the episode. I hope it was great for you like it was for me. Guys, that's Offside for today. Check her out. Have yourself a good one.